This week we are studying closely um, how Paul teaches us to pray prayers that prevail over our prayerlessness. And one of the reasons that these prayers prevail is because we begin to get discernment about what really is worth our time, what's, what's really valuable. So today we want to focus on, on, on the biblical idea of spiritual discernment. So Paul's thought, as he's praying this prayer that we've looked at in Philippians chapter 1, his thought is that there are countless decisions in life. And in these decisions, there's not always the straightforward right and wrong black and white or light and dark. And he's saying that that what you need is a, a, a insight or and foresight, which we call discernment, that helps you perceive how things differ. So that so that you make these best possible choices. He's he's really explaining <laughs> that God is calling you to lean into his understanding and his knowledge and then to choose what is best, that God's desires for you to have what is best, uh, a life of excellence. And so Paul has been saying that, that our own lives have to be able, have the capacity to receive a greater and greater measure of God's love and to understand that love, to experience that love, to have knowledge of what we're experiencing leads to insight uh, so that we can develop a sense of how to not only have but maintain and grow in personal and spiritual vitality. Now, some, of the, some of the things that keep us from experiencing what is best and, and which are areas of life where we particularly need discernment is in this in this certain periods of our life, our responsibilities become more diversified. We're having to multitask a lot, and so the responsibilities themselves have become more demanding, so that we give less and less time to what will give us an understanding or discernment of what's best. Uh it is not unusual for our identity to be challenged, for our self-esteem to get tied up into things that instead of lifting us up and making us more able to discern, uh, we can get in a place where both our identity and our self-esteem begin to diminish. And we... Uh, often can be in either uh, responsibilities, jobs, work, or whatever that devalues us, which can lead to kind of a third um, enemy, in in a sense, of of spiritual discernment, which is to get discouraged and to feel like you're unfruitful because you're not seeing the results that you long to see or that you've worked hard to see. And so what a lot of people do is instead of Stepping back and saying, how do I get real discernment to see what is best and what are best next steps? They bury themselves in more activity or activism and endless kind of work. Now, the reason that Paul always takes back 
you know, the essence of your identity, the the place of your self-worth, your self-esteem, all these things back to prayer is because God is the source. God, it's the call of God that's the source of, you know, uh, of your work and your and your fruitfulness. It's the call of God that is the source of your identity. You were supernaturally birthed into the family of God. The spirit of uh, the spirit of adoption cried in your spirit, "Abba, Father," and then you answered in your spirit, "Abba, Father." So, so the whole of of your true identity and your true worth and where your true fruitfulness comes from is God. And so therefore, prayer is that connection to your source. And that's where, that's where we begin to experience his love. That's where we begin to experience the capacity to choose what is best by remembering the one who called us, devoting ourselves to him. And then from the place of our source, we begin to discern what is best. One way to look at it is this. All kinds of masters are calling out to you to control you, to to direct you. But there's only one master that matters, and there's only one opinion that matters, and that's, that's the voice of the Lord Jesus spoken to you from within your very spirit by the Spirit of Christ. I remind you again, it's so important that you get this farmer in image that your spiritual life and, and your life in general is like the farmer. There are seeds that you plant. There's watering that you do. There's the cultivation of what you planted by, by getting rid of the weeds or uh, you know dealing with any predators. But the increase, increase is always the Lord's. But the, the thing you have to remember too, and this is what people often seem to forget, is that the seed itself is from the Lord. The only seed that's gonna, that's gonna grow and bring increase is the word of God, is the promise of God, is the will of God. So when you're planting by praying, you're praying the word, you're praying the will, you're praying the very promises of God. The water, you don't provide the water, you water it by praying. But it's really the Holy Spirit. He's the living water. He's the fountain of every blessing. And you're just getting in touch with that. You're just connecting to that by prayer. And then the increase, God is the cause of that increase. And that we seem to get confused about prayer. We're going to keep growing in this and understand that prayer is not the cause. It, it, it's not the seed. It's not the water. But Prayer is the means by which the seed gets into the spiritual realm. Prayer is the means by which the water of the Spirit begins to flow in your life. So, in a sense, the key to discernment and the key to fruitfulness are the same. The Word and prayer and connecting and intimacy with God. So, it really comes down to, and this is what I want to talk to you about most you know, specifically today is discernment comes from listening to the Holy Spirit. I've seen people who know the word but never seem to know how to apply it or use it in their lives. So you can know something and still not be listening to the Holy Spirit. 
But here's here here's the connection on a negative uh, portrayal is fruitlessness in life equals prayerlessness. And and we're talking about real spiritual fruit, fruit that remains, fruit that lasts, fruit that multiplies. So I think what Paul is really praying for here, and what I want to see for you, but I'm also seeing in myself, I want to grow in discernment. So I thought I would give you some definitions and just think through, what does it mean to be spiritually discerning? So here's a good definition. Discernment is a spiritual understanding and an experiential knowledge of how God is active in daily life. See, that's what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about just waiting for the big decisions. He's talking about being able to discern in your daily life. And, and, and this discernment then leads to faithfulness in the way you live because you're listening to God's love. And you know that his direction is loving direction and his purpose is to fulfill your individual calling and to share in the mission of Jesus. I, I guess just a simple theological truth has struck me over the last year is the Holy Spirit has committed himself as a person and all of his resources, all of his resources, He's committed to fulfilling the mission of Jesus. And so what is he doing? He's trying to get you on mission with Jesus. So spiritual discernment is for everyday life because every day the Spirit says we're on mission together. We're on mission together. Now, one of the writers on discernment uh, that's been helpful to me, I wanted to read you one of his quotes. Here he says, I knew myself as restless and searching, I felt I was stumbling over my own compulsions and illusions way too often. I began to understand that when we listen to the Spirit, we hear a deeper sound, a different beat. The great movement of the spiritual life is from a deaf, non-hearing life to a life of listening. From a life in which we experience ourselves as separated, isolated, and lonely, to a life in which we hear the guiding and healing voice of God who is with us and will never leave us alone. The many activities in which we are involved, the many concerns that occupy our time, the many sounds that surround us make it hard for us to hear the still small voice through which God's presence and will are made known. So what's he saying here? Well, he's saying that living a spiritually mature life requires listening to God's voice within and among us. Now, again, you know, God's not going to speak apart from his word. He's not going to speak contrary to his word and his promises. But this is so important that you understand that just reading God's word is not listening to God's voice. You can read through the whole Bible in a year and not have heard God, you know, not really let your, your heart, your spirit hear God's voice and how it applies to you. So here is this great news. You know, this is great news. Truthfully, God's revelation is not simply that I am, but it's also that God is actively present in every moment of your life at all times and in all places. Our God is a God who, who cares. He cares about every moment of your life. He heals, he guides, 
He directs, he challenges, he confronts, he corrects. So what does this mean? Well, it means to discern. It means, first of all, to listen to God, to pay attention to God's active presence. And then, because you're listening, you, you obey, you respond to God's prompting, to his direction, his leadings and guidance. Again, thinking through this, that our own restlessness and our own searching can actually make it to where the noise in our head and the noise in our life can keep us from hearing the still small voice of God, the promptings, the nudges of our God. You will not grow in spiritual discernment without listening and responding. When we are spiritually deaf, we're not aware that anything important is happening in our lives. You see, it's easy to run away from the present moment and to try to create experiences that we think would make our lives worthwhile. So we fill up our time to avoid emptiness because we don't want to feel the emptiness. But when we are truly listening, we come to God and we know that he's speaking to us, pointing the way, showing the direction. We simply need to learn to keep our ears open, discernment, is a life of listening to a deeper sound and marching to a different beat, a life in which we, we become all ears. See, what I'm trying to get at with you in this praying like the Apostle Paul is that, of course, you have the right to ask God anything in prayer, just like he has the right to say, as a good father, no to anything you ask. But I'm trying to get you a little more focused in your prayers in that you can hear from God. I spend more time listening than I do speaking now. I used to spend all my time telling him, you know, what I wanted him to do, what I needed him to do, how I needed him to do it, when I needed him to do it. And I got frustrated because I, I, I really received very few answers. But when I began to say, wait a minute, he's always listening. He's always here. He's always leading. He's always guiding. He's the one who promised to never leave me or forsake me. And then I realized I, I had been speaking, but I had not been listening. And it changed and it turned around. I began to listen. I began to hear. I began to move in response to him. He has a much better plan for you than you have for yourself. So one of the issues, and again, I go back to a writer who wrote on discernment that I found very helpful, is he says this. Getting answers to my questions is not the goal of the spiritual life. Living in the presence of God is the greater call. You see, in his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forever. There's healing in his presence. There are answers in his presence, but they're his answers. What do I mean by that? Listen, listen and think about this with me. In the Gospels, there are many examples of Jesus not giving direct answers to the questions put to him by his disciples and even by others. An example is the mother of James and John asked whether her two sons might sit one at the right hand and the other at the left hand of Jesus in his kingdom. And Jesus does not answer this question directly, but here's his, here's his response. He says, and he looks at those two men, and he says, are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? 
Okay, so let's think through this really clearly because this is important because sometimes we're asking what we think is a question that he, God should answer. The mother of James and John thought, Jesus, you should be able to answer this question. But Jesus responds, and he doesn't answer her directly. He says, are they able to drink the cup, you know, the cup of his death, the cup of his suffering that he was about to drink? And he doesn't do this because he has no patience with them. But he does this because their questions are the wrong questions. At some point, humility has to click in and you and I have to say, I don't even know what questions sometimes to ask God. I need help even knowing what it is I need, what it is I really in my heart want because I have so many conflicting and contradictory desires in the same heart. And so Jesus is very patient with us, but he knows we're asking quite often the wrong questions. And, and the reason is that this question that the mother is asking is not the question that lives in God's heart, but rather it's the kind of question that comes from a fearful, anxious, lustful, ambitious world. And it's a question that comes from people who don't know who they are. You see, God is, God is all discerning, and he discerns what are the right questions, what are the wrong questions. I've learned over the years that God has been answering the prayers I should have prayed if I knew what God knows. And over the years, I've watched and tried to learn what, what, is, he, what, what is he doing, what is he up to, so I can, so I can you know, understand and and revive and, and reform even the questions that I ask him. But part of it is learning to be in his presence. Spurgeon, the great English preacher, said, discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it is telling the difference between right and almost right. So insight is the distinction then that you can see with clarity between what's superior and what's inferior. And discernment, in many ways, is learning to be able to wait for the best, not being, not settling for the inferior. So here's, again, here's some teaching that's helpful on discernment. Discernment is active waiting. Active waiting is essential to the spiritual life. Taking the inferior just because it's presented first is not discernment. The same writer that I read a few minutes ago, he said it this way, it became increasingly clear to me that I know quite well the difference between darkness and light, but do not always have the courage to name them by their true names. Waiting patiently is suffering through the present moment tasting it to the, full, to the fullest in the belief that something hidden there will manifest itself to us. I think in my life, that's been the place where the Lord has, has uh, grown and tested and tried me. Um, I can remember, particularly in my 20s and 30s, having absolutely no patience and running ahead and then being upset because I, 
I did not know what was best and I did not have what was best. And I felt like the Lord called me early on in my life to start churches and to be involved with, you know, revitalizing or turning around churches. I feel like that has been the call on my life. But he he also was doing something in my character where my impatience and my unwillingness to wait made it to where instead of pastoring out of love for the people, I was using people as an agenda, as a, as my, you know, to get my agenda accomplished. And and he would not allow me to do that. He 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 made me wait. And he made me, you know, in a sense, start to focus on the present instead of always looking to the to the future. And living in the present, even in the times where it was difficult, and learning to be present. And and the only way I could do that is is the increased capacity of love, not just for him, but for God's people, for people in general. And that patience with people was patience with God. And you begin to realize that, you know, you would not pick the path that God has for you. But the end result is you become the person you always wanted to be and you fulfill the call that is the high calling of God in the Lord Jesus Christ for you. But this requires a waiting on the Lord and learning to listen and realizing that in every moment something is hidden there. It may not always be apparent, but something is hidden that is growing that will really matter to you and to your life and will accomplish the mission that God has called you to. Well, let me give you, I know it's a lot of steps, but I'll do them quickly. These are growth steps, just to kind of make this practical. Number one is you will not grow in discernment if if you think there is no truth you can depend upon. So the the need to learn, to recognize, to apply the truth and the promises of God as absolutes to your life. Again, you can't have an anchor that's not absolute. You can't have a grounding that's not absolute. So the truth of the word of God and the promises of God, but but it's not just applying them to the big decisions. Discernment comes for the big decision because you've applied them to every decision of your life. Let me Let me put it another way. To acknowledge and come under God's authority for your life is to bring God's power into your life. Until you're under his authority, you will not know the fullness of his power. And and so recognizing the absolutes of God's promises, God's word. The second thing is basically a principle we've been talking about. This cannot be done on your own. You can't will yourself to be spiritually discerning. You have to ask for help. You see, Paul is always praying this. He's praying for discernment because, because you can't do it on your own. You can't become discerning. Just experience will not make you discerning. It can make you all kinds of things, but not discerning. Only God can make you discerning. And so asking for help. Now, the third one is this. Align your heart to God's heart. In other words, love. learn to love what he loves. You, 
If you love what he loves, you will pray what he loves and you'll see the answers. But it also means learn to hate what he hates. Fourth one is, is again, a humility thing. And, it, and it's been so important. I, everything changes in life when you get good counselors. When you have wise counsel and you, you actually take their advice and you learn from them. Whether well, this is mentoring, discipleship. But it, it makes such a difference if you will, in a way, bring your, your life to somebody else's life that you respect and you admire. They can impart what they've already learned to you, spirit to spirit, not just knowledge to knowledge, but spirit to spirit. Even in some ways, uh, you know, if you take on books of classic saints who have had incredibly heroic lives, what they have experienced can become your experience. But you need counsel, wise counsel. Uh, the fifth one is this, it's kind of a self-awareness thing in terms of discernment. People are often not aware of how they make decisions. So that, so a lot of times you have, I mean, you can divide it in different ways. Let's just divide it in two ways right now. Let's say people are, some people are much more head knowledge and some people are heart knowledge, okay? So the head knowledge person tends to think that's the only way to make decisions, rational, logical, detail-oriented, objective. Their tendency is to say, well, I need more information. And it's hard to make a decision until they feel like they have all the information. People who are, tend to be more heart-based, again, it's kind of left brain, right brain, but the idea here is they have a feeling, they have an emotion, they're passionate, they're, they're, they have empathy. And so the, the orientation then is often to be more decisive, quicker, based on less information but in an intuitive sense, this is the right direction to go. So when you look at both of those, you can realize there's strengths and there's weaknesses. And both of these can be the wrong way of making a decision. But if you have not really looked at yourself and said, well, I tend to be more, you know, a little more intuitive, heart-oriented, or, or you look at yourself and I tend to be more information-oriented and and try to rational, uh, you know, be rational in my decisions, and you've decided that's the only way to be, then you're going to be in trouble because half the time both both of these are wrong. And especially if uh, the information is incorrect or the, the emotion is out of order, whatever it is, we you, you cannot be discerning if you don't understand your own process of decision-making. Number six of this is, is what we talked about the other day, and that is your friends make all the difference in the world as to, particularly your closest friends, make all the difference in the world as to how you grow in discernment. Uh, having the right kinds of, of life-giving friends can really increase your spiritual discernment. If you're around people who are always making bad decisions, who never understand, then your your own discernment will diminish. The last one, I know this is seven, it's a lot, but the last one is really important. We learn more from our mistakes if we will debrief our mistakes. If you keep justifying and excusing your mistakes, you're not going to learn from them. You have to look at it, you have to be honest and say that was a mistake, that was a failure, whatever it is. Again, if you can't look at your mistakes or your failures without, you know, just being destroyed by them, then that's a deeper issue. That's an identity issue. That's, you know, uh, an issue of what you've made ultimate in your life. Uh, 
It's not that it doesn't hurt to make mistakes. Of course it hurts. But it's not the end of the world to make a mistake. Because your behavior and even your actions are not the source of your identity. Your relationship with Jesus is the source of your worth, your identity, your acceptance. And that's unconditional. So becoming discerning is to debrief even your mistakes and to learn from them. And and here's the thing that will propel your debriefing into an extraordinary place of results is you do not ask what what should I've done differently because you can you can change your behavior and still come out with the same mistakes what you really need to to ask is going into that situation or going into that that relationship or whatever it was what did I assume that I now know was false because if you don't get at your false beliefs, your false assumptions, your false expectations, your behavior will not will not really uh, come from a place or a source that is life giving. So constantly, I'm looking at at things where I make mistakes or I make failures, have failure or whatever it is, and I look at it and say, you know, I really believed a lie going into that, or I believed. I was, you know, I was much stronger than I was, or I believe that person was more trustworthy than they actually were, or I put too much, you know, too many responsibilities or gave myself too little time. And you start looking and saying, what did I believe that was false? And that will change everything about how you then move forward in discerning what is best. Well, let me, I need to close this up this writer that was helpful to me in discernment, he says it this way. Dear friends, I want you to hear this. What is said of Jesus is said of you. I know this can be hard to affirm. You are the beloved daughter or you are the beloved son of the Most High God. Can you believe it? Can you hear it not only in your head, through your physical ears, but in your gut? Hear it so that your whole life can be turned around. Go to the scriptures and read, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have written your name in the palm of my hand for all eternity. I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you in your mother's womb. I love you. I embrace you. You are mine and I am yours and you belong to me. You have to hear this because if you can hear this divine voice speak to you, from all eternity, then your life will become more and more the life of the beloved because that is who you are. This is what Paul's talking about when he says that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. Knowledge of what? That you're his beloved. Depth of insight. That you operate from a place of his love. One more, one more quote. God has created you and me with a heart that only God can satisfy. And every other love will be partial will be real, but limited, will be painful. And if we are willing to let the pain prune us to give us a deeper sense of our belovedness, then we can be as free as Jesus and walk on in this world and proclaim God's first love wherever we go. I close this with this prayer. Lord Christ, you came into the world as one of us and suffered as we do. As I go through the trials of life, help me to realize that you are with me at all times, and in all things. That I have no secrets from you. As for discernment in every situation, to know what is best, even when the decisions are not a question of right and wrong, I will rely on your wisdom, knowing that your loving grace enfolds me for eternity. 
in the security of your embrace, I pray. Amen. Definition.